The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformational Healing, With your host, Dr. Bonnie Morrow, there are a variety of techniques for hands-on healing that can help you move closer to your vision of good health. In our program, we discuss both the business and science of dealing with different aspects of the healthy community with specialists in various energy practices. Now, here is Dr. Bonnie Morrow. Hi, welcome to Transformational Healing. This is Dr. Bonnie So glad you're here today, and a shout-out to California, and also a shout-out to Canada. Canada, one of your countrymen is our guest today. Her name is Kathy Borland. Kathy, good morning. Well, good day. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh. Kathy, would you, uh, Kathy's been on our show before, but Kathy, would you be kind enough to tell our listeners about you? Uh, Well, um, you know me mostly as a Healing Touch practitioner and a colleague in Healing Touch program, and uh, I've been doing energy work since 1994 when I first uh, was first introduced to Healing Touch. And uh, I'm currently um, the chair of the Research Advisory Council for Healing Touch Program. And, um, and I've been a registered nurse for over 30 years now, working mostly in cancer. And, uh, but over the last probably five to ten years, uh, some of my priorities have shifted, and I think that's why you have me on your show today. Yes, ma'am. So yeah. today we're going to talk about FAS. Would you like to tell our listeners what that is, Kathy? Well, FASD are, is the mnemonic for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And so, uh, although I would say there, there's every single diagnosis has something to do with energy, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is um, actually the permanent brain injury that occurs um, prenatally when women drink alcohol during their pregnancies at any point during their pregnancy. Oh, and dear. It can range to, there's a whole, and the reason it's a spectrum disorder is because there's a variety of presentations of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder that are out there. So. How do you tell if a baby or a child has that? Do you just assume that if the mother had a beer that a child oh, has no. this? Um, there's a diagnostic process that goes forward. Most people um, may be familiar. Most people may be familiar with fetal alcohol syndrome, which um, has distinct facial features. There's three specific facial features that occur in children that are um, exposed to alcohol, and the reason those facial features occur is if a woman's been drinking during the time when the face is forming in in the infant. So that's the one most people recognize from if they've 
done any psychology courses or anything or talked about tetragenic effects of alcohol. There's usually a picture of a child with FAS, but FAS is only one part of the spectrum. Uh, there's also partial FAS, which means that the child has one or more of uh, one or two of the facial features. And there's another um, diagnosis called ARND, which is alcohol-related neurodevelopmental disorder, which means there's been exposure, but there's no facial features uh, to indicate it. So how do you know a child has it? Usually, um, it's suspected if a, if a mother has been drinking through her pregnancy that and the child shows developmental delays or uh, behavioral issues, uh, then certainly that comes into question. But it becomes very tricky when um, the mother has to admit or have someone has witnessed that they have been drinking during the pregnancy. So... Um, there are other neurodevelopmental issues that occur out there that, sh- that show up in neurobehavioral um, issues, um, such as ADHD and oppositional disorder and things like that. We, we don't understand the chemistry of the brain enough, but definitely for a diagnosis of FASD or one of the, the subcategories, um, there has to be a history of alcohol ingestion by the mom. That's that's scary to me, not that I take much alcohol, but how much alcohol does it take to create this? Well, that's not really known. What we do know for sure is that um, alcohol does not get filtered by the placenta and that alcohol is toxic to neurological tissue in animals and in vitro and can also cause distortion of cell production um, in the formation of organs and other tissues. So not just neural tissue, but also cardiac tissue and things like that. So I'm not sure what the American stance is, but the Canadian uh, Public Health Agency um, states it has one one very clear comment um, in relation to um, alcohol for the prevention of fetal alcohol. They say that no amount of alcohol of any kind at any time during the pregnancy or in a woman pre- con- considering getting pregnant is, is tolerable or is acceptable, So, which makes a lot of difficulty for women who may drink before they find out they're pregnant. But the, they do know that the amount of damage is, is, um, it seems to be correlated with the amount of alcohol. And in Canada, binge drinking is defined as anything more than four ounces of alcohol. So whether wow. it's four beers, four ounces, you know, that's that's what's considered to be binge drinking at any one time. Interesting. This is most yeah. interesting. Uh, and so, so can I just tell you some of the other statistics that are out there that make it even more scary? Is that it? Based on that definition, um, binge drinking amongst women of childbearing age has increased by 400% over the last 10 years. So binge drinking in women of childbearing age has increased by 400%. And um, the other statistic that's sobering, no pun intended, is that 50% of all pregnancies continue to be unplanned. So the main message that goes out there is if you're considering getting pregnant or planning to be pregnant or trying to get pregnant, you should not be ingesting alcohol because you have no idea when you become pregnant. And in fact, the facial features that occur in FAS 
are thought to occur in day 10 to 20 of the pregnancy. That's when your face is forming. So most women don't know they're pregnant. At day 20, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm. You have done a lot of research on this, haven't you? Well, I've had to. <laughs> yes. I've had to. And it's completely unrelated to my nursing career. <laughs> um, so I was pretty ignorant about about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder until it became a part of my 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 personal life. And how did that happen, Kathy? Well, my ex-husband and I were blessed to adopt two children, siblings, full siblings, who were age one and three when we got them. And we had known that there was some um, exposure to uh, to drugs, to, to cocaine, and probably to marijuana. But based on my um, experience, that that could cause some learning disabilities and things like that. And I was more concerned about the nutritional issues and things like that that had gone on in the children prenatally. But there was no mention of alcohol exposure. Um, Having said that, I could say that even if there had been, I probably wouldn't have been as worried as I am now knowing what I know. Um, Because I truly believe that with the right environment and love and nurturing and supports, my children would would be able to get through all their hurdles. Well, as, as um, the children grew up, my daughter, um, the oldest, was um, had a lot of language disabilities, like difficulties learning to talk, difficulties understanding speech, um, and a lot of difficulties with executive functioning, which is your ability to know in the short term that right now I should put my socks on, then I should put my shoes on, then I should go brush my teeth. And so just those little daily lists we have going on in our head. Um, is is part of executive functioning, and she really, really struggled with that. And at first, we thought she had ADHD, which is attention deficit disorder, um, and, and we sort of held on to that. And then my son, uh, who was younger, who seemed very normal, except he was very, very active, very, very active little boy, and had no fear. Um, by about two, he started being really having real trouble with impulse control, like hitting people, pushing people downstairs, jumping off, jumping off the top landings of things, not understanding consequences at all. And um, at that time, we were still seeing their birth mother twice a year. And what, um, what ended up happening is I, uh, I was standing with their birth mother in a park one day, and she looked, she looked uh, at um, our, my son and said, you know, he's doing really well considering how much I drank during that pregnancy. And I almost vomited on my shoes at that point. And at that point, I became uh, a student of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder because I realized then that I had to learn as much as I could uh, about it. And, and what I learned was staggering to me because of the fact that it is the most common neurodevelopmental disability in North America that it's thought to, the prevalence of it is thought to be anywhere between 1% and 5% of the population has some form of brain injury from prenatal alcohol exposure, depending. But it's very difficult to get the sense of prevalence because, again, the birth mother has to uh, admit that she drank during the pregnancy. So as an adoptive mom, it's very, it's very easy for me to talk about it and say, you know, this is what happened. But I, I can certainly ima- imagine that a lot of moms would feel that they had, um, there was issues with 
uh, guilt, you know, around I didn't know I was pregnant um, or I had a substance abuse problem at the time. And that's, that's a whole other issue. So uh, they, so with your children, they were compounded. The alcohol and drugs... I can I can hardly hear you right now. So, okay, let me get closer to the microphone. Yeah, that what would be I, helpful. Okay, what I asked was, so your children not only the alcohol, but it was compounded with, with hard drugs. Um, I'm not as worried about the hard drugs because uh, you know that's that's it's actually interesting that you you'd mention that because other than meth, crystal meth. Um, drugs like cocaine, heroin, uh, narcotics, things like that. Certainly we all have heard about cocaine babies and the withdrawal and all those other things. And those children often will have um, delays, significant learning disabilities and things like that, but mostly as a result of the lifestyle that goes along with that, which is from the nutritional deficits. Children actually, the most toxic substance you can ingest while pregnant is alcohol. And that was a huge aha for me because even when I have surveyed students, you know, nursing students, and they said, okay, if you found a if you if you were working with a mom who was pregnant and she was injured, which of the following would you think would be the worst thing that she could be doing, cocaine, heroin, for the infant, cocaine, heroin, or alcohol? And almost all of them say cocaine. Because okay. It's, because it's very public, the withdrawal that these babies go through at birth, right? Right. But the yep. damage that occurs in pregnancy with alcohol is permanent. It cannot be, you do not go through withdrawal, you do not, you, you just are damaged. It would be like as if you were putting alcohol in a baby bottle and feeding it to the infant. And I don't know anyone who would do that. No. Okay, Kathy, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back, and we'll talk some more. This is a most interesting subject. Okay, thanks. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. TRN. 
You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Hi, welcome back to Transformational Healing. This is Dr. Bonnie Morrow. And today, Kathy Moreland is speaking to us. She's been on the program before, but today she's talking about fetal alcohol syndrome disorder. And it's most... Why do I always call it that? Well, you t- it you tell them, fetal Kathy. Fetal alcohol syndrome. It, it was usually it used to be called fetal alcohol syndrome, and so but what they've realized now is that it's actually there's actually a spectrum of presentations of of prenatal alcohol exposure. So you're you're not totally wrong, Bonnie. Um, it's just Good. Um, and that often that's where people get confused sometimes is they'll say FAS versus FASD. Yes. Okay, thanks yep. for that, Kathy. So I am really interested. So can you tell us some of the issues that face your family? Uh, well, I can, not just my family, but probably most of the families that I'm both in Canada and the United States experience. And I would even go so far as to say in European countries as well, and Australia, is that... Um, Getting a diagnosis can be pretty difficult because you need a special, you need to get it properly done. You need a physician, uh, you need a psychologist who can do the appropriate testing to help you see where the deficits are because you have to imagine, think of the brain like a computer that's had each child presents just a little bit differently based on the way that their birth mother drank. So, and the timing of her drinking. So where my, my, my children in particular are a perfect example of that, it seems rather obvious that my son had damage, uh, more damage to his frontal lobe uh, because his issues are more with impulse control and emotional regulation. And with my daughter, she seems to have more global damage because she's affected in language perception, impulse control, uh, emotional regulation, and some of her other functions. So cognitively, my daughter's affected much more um, you know, from a, a learning disability perspective, where my son has is intellectually uh, in the in the upper percentile, so he's very intelligent, but still has difficulty with behavior. So the psychologist's reports are really important in terms of helping you map out where the damage is occurring, and it could also be psychomotor issues, right? So coordination or ability to um, to, to to how long can they retain information so that. And, and this is where um, it gets very important. Speech, speech testing is very important as well as OT testing. So to get a diagnosis can be very difficult and very expensive because those, those tests take lots of time to do. Um, and even in Canada where we have socialized health care, uh, the diagnosis of FASD can be made by a physician, but you don't get all the supplementary uh, speech psychology and OT without secondary insurance coverage or... Um, out-of-pocket expense. So I'll just give you an example. It costs uh, over $4,000 to have each child diagnosed for me, out-of-pocket. Whoa. So, yeah. So, That's I mean, it, that, can be, that can be a huge deterrent 
And again, this whole idea that, so there's a lot of children who may have uh, self-regulation problems, meaning they have behavioral issues. That's just a polite way of saying they, they're the kids that are sitting in the principal's office or getting sent home from school all the time. Um, that really the problem isn't that they're, they're bad, their parents are bad or they're just bad kids. It's that they have uh, damage to that area of their brain that helps them understand consequences. Um, and, and they're also, the other part of their brain that can get affected is even once they learn that in that context, they can't transfer that learning to another context. And I'll just give you um, another example. Uh, an example of that is I've told my daughter that um, she should not, uh, she should not, you know, go into people's houses, uh, strangers' houses, or whatever, um, or people that she that, that mummy hasn't told her she can go into. And she, so she understands that you tell her that. And then, but then if she gets presented with a situation that where she thinks she knows the person. Uh, she doesn't go the next step and go, oh, well, this might be one of those situations, and she, she might go into someone's house because she got to know them yesterday. So very concrete in their perceptions and difficulty transferring things, um, and you also have to speak in very concrete terms most of the time. So some of the challenges for us were getting a diagnosis, and then once the children were having difficulty in school, educating their teachers and principals about their issues and trying to create accommodations was hellish. Um, I had to actually take time off from work, and this is when I was single. Um, I had to take time off work because my son was removed from school because of behavior, and they did not have someone who could, you know, work with him. And they removed him from school under what we have in our province as called the Safe Schools Act, where a principal has the right to remove a child from school if there's any concerns about safety to any individuals. <clears throat> and so my son was out of school for three, three months straight with no education whatsoever. So a lot of parents of these children give up and start homeschooling their children. Um, in Ontario, I can only speak to my own province and the legislation is we have an Education Act and the Ontario Human Rights Act and, and the Safe Schools Act was never intended to keep a child out of school for that long, but there's no, there were no answers. What's, what's wonderful over the last few years where I've been extremely active in politics and political advocacy is that our province is now looking to embrace an integrated strategy because they realize the long-term cost of some of these challenges. So if you don't have a ch- if a child has no education and believes they're bad, they end up on the street or doing drugs themselves or having teen pregnancies or having to go on social assistance or welfare, right? So they're right. now realizing that they need to do some upfront um, identification and work with these children in order to help their families and um, and and the children become productive members of society. So that that's shifting in our province. But I will tell you that across North America, that it varies from no support whatsoever. I'm sure there's if there's people out there listening from um, some of the states, the United States, there's absolutely no support whatsoever until you're in absolute crisis, and then it becomes a mental health crisis usually, or a or a criminal justice crisis because your children end up in trouble with the law. So very painful. Wow. Uh, Kathy, is there any responsibility uh, of the father drinking? Um, there's some new research that suggests that father's drinking can actually cause damage at a chromosomal level 
and that there might even be second generation damage to the chromosomes. And these are at um, the, the small sections of the chromosomes are called alleles. And there's now, because we can now see these alleles, there's new research coming out that, that it can actually be hereditary because of um, previous exposure in, in other members of the family, particularly um, either in the father in damage to the alleles in the sperm or damage from, um, but, uh, from the fam- in the family history. But that is um, in the, prelim- like that research is very preliminary. So oh, there's and- just some suggestion. But what we do know um, is that we don't know the amount of alcohol that would cause damage. And a lot of times when we, when we share this message, what happens is people will say, well, my mother drank, uh, had a glass of wine and with, with, when she was pregnant for me and I turned out just fine. And we're going, yeah, but you probably also had proper nutrition and who knows what damage occurred, but it hasn't seemed to have affected you a great deal. You might have been Einstein. We don't know. You know, like, you know, like in right. terms of your, your, your intellectual capacity. It's, it's a, just a question of the, the main message we want to get out is no amount of alcohol because we don't know. Um, and if women are drinking or have problems with substance abuse, what we're trying to encourage is uh, harm reduction, which means reducing drinking, reducing the amount of alcohol, reducing, like, uh, avoiding um, narcotics and, and other drugs. Like, anyone who's got a substance abuse ish- issue is probably at higher risk for an unwanted pregnancy because of their, um, you know, if, they, if their perceptions or judgment were off while they were under the influence of that substance, they have a higher chance of getting pregnant uh, in an unplanned way too. So we're really working hard for harm reduction. And, but in, in the, one of the largest groups that's um, increasing um, binge drinking is uh, actually professional young women, young professional women who are, in my mind, doing uh, things like, uh, you know, the, the cocktail ads are now, the, the advertising industry has really promoted uh, the autonomy of women in socializing in bars and that this is a, a big thing. And I think it's come out of um, TV shows and, and commercials, and I'm not going to mention those on the air, but you, you know which ones they are, um, that, it, that, that women who are strong and independent drink. And women are often using alcohol as stress reduction uh, when they get home from work. And so the big message is that alcohol is not benign just because it's legal. And that especially when it comes to, um, you know, uh, reproductive health. Wow. You can't, you can't fix it. Yeah. You have so. really blown me out of the water with this information today. Kathy, yeah. it's wonderful information. Well, if I can stop one woman that's listening to your show from drinking while she's planning to get pregnant or is pregnant, I would encourage any young woman who's thinking about getting pregnant to seek counsel from your health professional. But I will also tell you that a lot of physicians are not educated about the effects of alcohol on children, on infants. They really aren't. And so I would, I would go to sources like... Um, your, your national health services or like the Canadian Public Health Agency, which is a very renowned group who has done this research 
and they're saying no amount of alcohol at any time of any kind. And if a woman does choose to drink, she, she does so in an educated way. Oh, my. Do you think pe- you think with all the information you've put out today that people would choose to drink? I, I, I can't speak for why people would choose to drink because I think people get a lot of misinformation, and that's the, the unfortunate part. Um, and those of us who are living with children who are literally suffering with FASD because it is an ongoing struggle every single day, um, there are parents out there who, if they're listening, um, my heart goes out to them because I understand the pain of feeling so isolated because you can't bring your... If you have a child with behavioral issues and they look perfectly normal, your parenting is scrutinized on an ongoing basis, not only by strangers, but by your own family. That if you were just more disciplined, if they were just, if you were doing this, if you were doing that, your children wouldn't be acting this way. And in fact, it's got nothing to do with your parenting. It's got a lot to do with um, with the fact that your children just can't behave the way they need to. And it takes a long time and lots of repetition and lots of support of these children to help them get to a place where they can actually function in the world. Right. And, and it's been an ongoing um, fight for me. And, my, and, and I'm lucky because I'm, I'm very vocal, as you can tell, um, that I don't back off of any fight. All righty. Uh, Kathy, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right okay. back. Okay, thanks. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about healing touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Hi, welcome back 
to Transformational Healing. This is Dr. Bonnie, and today we have a most fascinating speaker, and that's Kathy Moreland, and she's a Canadian, and boy, is she full of knowledge about FASD. Kathy, you have, as I said before, you've really blown me away, and how many parents out there suspect alcohol, uh, fetal alcohol, and don't know where to get support? Well, I think, I think the first thing is, is that uh, a thorough and appropriate um, diagnosis is really, really important because a lot of these, these children are diagnosed with ADHD, which is attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, or... Uh, reactive attachment disorder for those uh, people out there who may have adopted children or oppositional and defiant disorder. So I always talk about the little DDs that are running around out there because the key is if a mother doesn't disclose that she has uh, ingested alcohol prenatally, then there's, there's really little that can be done. It's usually often suspected. Having said that, I would say, you know, you've got a wide audience and, um, you, I would start with your primary health caregiver and talk about the possibilities and find out what the resources are through your primary health caregiver if you can. Now, if you can't, what I will say, one of the great things about social media is that there are Facebook pages just for parents of children with FAS, and if you do a search on Facebook, um, there is a, there are some very active pages, and we share a lot amongst each other, um, including um, there are parents who come on and say, I believe my child may have FASD, and I'm wondering, um, I'm from this state or this province, where would you suggest I go for help? And you can often get really good information that way, uh, which seems... The other thing is that there's... Um, in Ontario, and uh, if you search FASD and your state or your province or your country, you'll find uh, organizations like NOFAS, that's North American Fetal Alcohol Spectrum. I think it's, I can't even remember what NOFAS stands for, to be honest with you, right off the top of my head. Um, but look for NOFAS, that's NOFAS, and um, they have a list of other organizations across the, uh, North America, actually, that are affiliated with uh, fetal alcohol. So that's, that's a place to start. Now, the other, again, you know, you've got, I, rather than saying parents, I'll say caregivers, because there are a lot of people out there who are foster parents or who are grandparents caring for children of their children um, who may be struggling with substance abuse who are wondering if their children may have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Because you have to remember, too, that even if you're aware of substance abuse, uh, meaning other drugs, that often alcohol and drugs go together. And that was the piece where I was so naive when we adopted our children. I I probably didn't want to know, but once I knew... It was, it's this huge no turning back moment where you have to say, I am now dealing with two children who have permanent brain injuries. How can I give them the best chance possible? And there's a lot of grief involved in caring for these children because the things you expect and hope for in your children aren't necessarily going to come to fruition no matter what you do, no matter what you do, because you're dealing again with children who do not have 
not the, the desire because they want to succeed but may not have the ability or the capability because of the d- damage done by the alcohol. So hopefully that helps. I didn't give lots of specifics, but I think the Internet and social media are very helpful places to start as well as your primary health team or your regional mental health services. They, they may know. You know, uh, my, son, my kids, my children are adopted as well. Uh-huh. And my son had a real difficult time growing up. And as we're talking, I'm saying, aha, I mean, Maybe. he had problems in school, and he was never diagnosed with any of that. But uh-uh. as a mother, you know yep. that something yep. and was your heart breaks for them. And, and I'm often oh, asked yeah. as a mother are you sorry you got the diagnosis? And I said, absolutely not. Because with a diagnosis, you, although, you know, some people may be concerned that it labels their children and marks them for difficulties, for me, it has been the key to being able to get services. Because without the diagnosis, I don't get services. And not that there are a lot of services to get, but whatever I fight for, um, I fight really hard. So, and you've been successful. Not, not without it being at great cost. And energetic, from an energy standpoint, from a, you know, like just in my own mental health standpoint. And I would say the other, the other main issue, so we've talked about a lot of the issues for the children is, you know, getting an education, staying out of trouble, um, especially when they're in their teens, when their issues become even more paramount, um, is, is keeping them, keeping them out of jail because, um, the latest statistics that I've looked at, that there are 19 times more, that a child, a person in jail is 19 times more likely to have a diagnosis of FAS than in the general public. So, I mean, wow. these, because of the issue of consequences and because they want to belong, these, these children and youth are at much greater risk for issues with um, getting in trouble with gangs, getting doing things without thinking of consequences because... They just don't have the impulse control. So that's why drug use and pregnancy, et cetera, are huge. And then some of the other secondary issues are mental health issues of anxiety, possibly because of their neurotransmitter issues, but also because from the time they're children, they're told that they're bad and that they don't listen, don't behave, don't, you know, that they're not good. Yeah. So um, it, it those issues become huge again. That. That breaks my heart, Kathy. Um, I've been fortunate because, like, most of the politicians in my area um, know that I'm like a bulldog. I'm not going to go away. But I've often sat in my um, in decision-makers' offices and said, you know, if I smelled like beer and cigarettes and had greasy hair, you probably wouldn't be listening to me. And there are a lot of people out there that are really, really struggling. So the families need respite and help. But because the children look normal, most of the children look normal, that people just think it's a parenting issue, not, not a brain injury issue. So it, it's really sad when I've, I've you know, when, this, when I was really struggling a number of years ago, when I'd sit there and say, you know, this might actually be a lot easier if my child had autism or, like, was, had autism or, or had downs or something because and then at least you could physically see that there was something different. There was right. something different, you know, in the way they related. But my son will talk to you like a normal 13-year-old 
and then if he breaks something, he'll have a two- or three-year-old temper tantrum with trucker language and threaten to kill you if you're trying to talk to him. And this will come out of nowhere. And so these are the things now that worry me because he can get arrested for that. Right. You know, for threatening somebody. Wow. Um, Go ahead. So, so, so my job now is to, I, I've, I've been very successful in getting both of them educational placements because I felt it was really, really important. This is not judging parents who decide to homeschool, but for me, I have to work in order to maintain my benefits because my children's medications cost a great deal of money. And just so the American audience knows, Canadians' medications are not covered <laughs> by our social health care <laughs> system. Um, and... And also for my sanity, because it's very difficult to be with both of them um, all day, all the time. So they, and I felt it was very, very important for that. That's the selfish reasons. Then the other reasons are that for my children, I felt it was important for them to know how to be in the world. They had to have friends. They had to have activities. They had to learn how to cope in the world. So if I protected them at home... I was to me. I was just putting off the inevitable that eventually they were going to have to deal with the real world. Absolutely. So that was. But each parent has to make that, or caregiver has to make those choices on their own, and what's best for them. I'm not here to suggest what's best for any family because the presentations of FASD are so different. Each family has to to work those things through. But we all need a break. We really need a break to take for self-care, and that's where my healing touch practice has really come in handy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, do your children have facial... Uh... The facial features? Yes, um, that you can recognize. Has two, my son apparently has two of them, but because... The children have some native blood. It's very difficult to see that in him, um, and my daughter does not. So Austin's diagnosis is PFAS, and my daughter Alexis is ARND, which is the alcohol-related neurodevelopmental disorder. Wow. But they're all under Good. the spectrum. So the, the other key points I want to make before we go off air are the facial features doesn't mean that your brain damage is worse. That's the other fallacy. It oh. can but it doesn't mean, so it's not a gradient system of if you have the facial features, you must be worse. It doesn't mean that. It's all about the timing of the, the alcohol ingestion. So if the mother drank all through the pregnancy but just happened to miss those couple of weeks where your face was forming, she could cause, that, that's not an indication of the brain damage. So uh-huh. that's a fallacy. Okay. Already. Their IQ, their their cognitive functioning is not an indication necessarily of their abilities either because Austin has, has complete is, as I said, is, is within the norms, like uh, in, within the mid-range to high range of cognitive function, so he's very intelligent, um, but his coping, so his adaptive function is more of an issue than his cognitive function, and a lot of services in a lot of places are based on intellectual functioning, so for children with Downs or with uh, low-functioning autism, um, they can get services because of their intel- they, they base it on IQ functioning, and that's that's not helpful in the FASD community at all because many of these children are very intelligent. They just can't cope. Wow. Wow, wow. Okay, Kathy, we need to take another quick break. Okay. 
a healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Hi, listeners. Welcome back. This is Dr. Bonnie, and today we are having a conversation with Kathy Moreland about FASD. And it's um, it's most interesting. I hope if you have any children in your life that suffer from fatal alcohol system disorder. Spectrum disorder, yeah. <laughs> spectrum. Okay. Kathy, mental block. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe I have this alcohol same. spectrum disorder. Yeah. Okay. F A S D. And mm-hmm. we're about to wrap up our our time together, Kathy. Can you give people some hope? Oh, def- most definitely. Um, I would say that. Um, the awareness of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and its impact not only on the children and families affected, but on the entire community purse um, and society in general is becoming much more of an issue. Um, I respectfully say it's like the autism of this decade. Um, autism went through a very similar um, surge uh, probably in the last 10 or 20 years. Um, where people started screaming that that this that we have to do something about this, but the difference between autism and fetal alcohol is it, it is preventable, or at least we can reduce the incidence um, if people just recognize that in loving your child, you love yourself enough not to use alcohol, and that if you're using alcohol to cope 
then try to find alternative forms of coping. That harm reduction is the message um, and that children who have been exposed to alcohol prenatally um, deserve and require um, the proper services just like any other child in order to make them, give them the best chance possible for the future. And it does cost a lot of money for those services, but it costs a lot more um, if we don't. So we, we in Ontario, we have, um, you know, I have brought forward the argument that in paying for the appropriate supports in a classroom, which may cost us uh, a couple hundred dollars or a hundred dollars a day, compared to the cost of someone being in prison 10 years from now, costing anywhere from 500 to a thousand dollars a day, where, where are you going to spend your money? And, I, and I've often pointed out that if these children don't work, there's also no tax base from them either. They're actually going to drain the public purse, not add to it. And, and aside from all of that, the absolute horrific family tragedy that can occur without the support is, is preventable. So what I can tell parents is find the right support, even if it's on Facebook, there are people out there who have, are further along in the journey and who have had great success. These children can become productive members of society. They can get married. They can have children. They can, they can succeed. We just need to make sure we understand where each of them is coming from um, neurobehaviorally and support them at the age they're at neurobehaviorally. So where my son is 13, at times he's 3 and at other times he's 6. And so based on what my goals are within each of those groups, um, those, uh, there are ways to help. And I would strongly encourage people to re- who do have children affected by uh, FASD to read Diane Malbin's work. Her last name is M-A-L-B-I-N. She's a social worker who um, has made this her life's work, and she has some excellent, excellent strategies um, available um, through her, her sites. Great. So Thank you. I'm, for I'm that. very and hopeful. I got to get my kids through their teens just like any other parent because I think all parents deal with teenage years as, as a precarious time. But if I can get my kids an education and, um, and I get the support, you know, those breaks I need to be, to feel like myself and to feel successful, um, as a parent, then, then I know my kids are going to be okay or as okay right. as they can be. Uh, I, what I'm hearing is you spend a lot of time in prayer, Kathy. I I I think um, having children with FASD is a religious experience because I've never said "Oh God" so many times. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that jokingly, but half serious as well. And and I I have I am so fortunate because I have a huge healing touch family and community that has supported me through all of this energetically and otherwise. And, um, and, and my own birth family, um, and now this, and a wonderful new husband who knew nothing about FASD, but has certainly been on a steep learning curve since he came into my life. And he's very <laughs> supportive to the children as well. So um, I'm really Good. blessed that way. Really blessed that way. Good. And um, so there is hope. You can have relationships, you can have a life, you can, your children may not have the same, like, at my daughter's, I'll just give you an example. At my daughter's grade 8 graduation, I was somewhat tearful because I realized she's now going into a program where she will not get her uh, high school diploma. She's going into what's called a life skills program because she's not functioning. 
her cognitive delays are such that she needs to learn to just be able to take care of herself. And um, I, I was somewhat uh, melancholy because I was thinking how um, this would probably be the only graduation I would ever see her do. But then I snapped out of it and I thought, well, maybe she won't, she won't have a typical graduation, but she, she may well go on and get her uh, equivalency when she's in her 20s or 30s, and then who knows what's possible in her future. It just won't be in the same timeline as other children. Right. No. That is correct. Yes. Well, uh, our uh, welcome to Paul. And uh, (laughs) so we'll we'll get to meet him at conference perhaps again. So um, thank you, Paul, for, for all you do, too. Yeah, I'm a much, I'm much stronger because he's in my life too. So I'm not so tired, not so tired. Right, so. that's uh, right. And uh, we mentioned if people wish to contact me, um, I guess if they contact you through through your yes. site, um, if they have questions, if I can answer them, I will. If I can't, I'll certainly try to send you to a place. But um, the the two Facebook pages that I have found very helpful are parenting children um, with FASD. And the other one is parenting um, uh, teens and adults with FASD. Those two uh, Facebook pages I have found extremely helpful. Okay. Personally, yeah. So would you repeat those for those who didn't have their pencil ready? Um, it's parenting children with FASD is one. And if you have children under the age of 12, I would say only join that one. The reason there's a separate one for teens and adults as some of the issues we get into can be probably scary for parents who are only dealing with children jumping off staircases, you know, or, you know, those, those types of things. So there's one called Parenting Children with FASD and the other one's Parenting Teens and Adults with FASD. Okay. And there are sites that you have to request joining. Okay. Alrighty. So listeners, did you hear that? I, I think you're going to get a lot of questions all righty. Okay, so I would like to thank Kathy very, very much for being with us today and taking her sweet time to help us. And uh, God bless you. Thank you very much for having me and allowing me to share this message. You're welcome. Thank you for listening today. Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow is broadcast live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a healthy week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.